You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, a UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Matt Smith. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 152 of the Plain Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and joining me in the kitchen studio with his prawn crackers is my co-host, Matt Smith. <laughs> what are you trying to say? What's, what's the matter with my prawn crackers? As I, I, what can I say? I love them. I know. I left you a whole bowl there. <laughs> they're nearly all gone. Yeah, too right. Absolutely. I know. They are quite nice, though. They a bit are, more-ish, absolutely. A bit more-ish. So welcome, everyone, to uh, the show. It's uh, the 17th of February. Uh, 20 minutes late, it's uh, tw- 20 past 7, <laughs> so I knew we'd break that um, that whole starting yeah. on time thing, yeah. we, we'd I, never keep that up. I could see one of our guests busy um, shaking his head already. <laughs> yes, oh yes, yeah, we, oh, yeah, we have got guests, haven't we? We have indeed, yeah. We've got guest hosts joining us on the show this mm. week yeah. for one fifty-two. and so who are we going to introduce first? Uh, you, you pick, pick and choose, whatever. Uh, I, just, I don't know who to leave till last. Um, <laughs> <laughs> whatever you do, you'll offend someone I know. with that we'll, comment. We'll Why did you what, say we'll, <laughs> we'll, get, we'll, get, we'll get rid of the riffraff first, and oh. uh, so first guest on uh, with the show that's helping us this week is uh, our wonderful segment uh, producer, and that is... Oh, sure. Oh, brilliant. (laughs) He's the the Safe Jets uh, representative here. It's Pilot Pip. (laughs) Hello, hello. Thank you very much for the invite. Pleased to be here joining you for a... uh Whatever episode this is, episode what? four million and seven. <laughs> so, so Pip, where yeah. where in the uh, in the world of UK worldwide thingy was names are you this week then? I am in Switzerland in the city of Zurich. I've just spent a whole day uh, sitting around on my bottom on standby, um, enjoying the rain. So, so, oh, so nice. no change there then from 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 normal. <laughs> No, not no. much. <laughs> I like sitting. It's a good thing. Yeah, well, absolutely. It's a, it's a favourite pastime, no doubt. Yeah. Mm, very much. <laughs> so our next guest is uh, who's joining us this week is uh, one of our one of our regular, uh, well, contributors, listeners, and uh, and and guest hosts. And mm-hmm. he is the guy you need to speak to when you've got anything that's mm-hmm. remotely technical to sort out really yes. so welcome onto the show it's neville bounds hello gents how are you and uh, yeah thanks again for inviting me i'm here in the uh, nev tech studio and yes. uh, glad it's friday actually it's been one of those weeks and mm. i was uh, in amsterdam the whole of last week and uh, i'm off to amsterdam again tomorrow for a bit of a aviation weirdo meetup and i'll <laughs> tell you more about that a bit later on also awesome. but uh, thanks again for inviting me on <laughs> yes there, there are some there are some uh, previous guest hosts in the chat room here who going to get told off in a minute <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> they're, they're doing so, some shameless plugging for their own show in our chat room currently <laughs> so we've got another person Shocking. joining us as a guest mm. yeah, yeah. Well, I, I don't i don't Three. like to make i don't I make, know. I, I like I, you know you, you messaged me earlier saying we've got we've got no guests so no i thought I, we can't have that you know i know so we've got three now <laughs> yeah absolutely so our, our third guest uh, helping us out this week he is the ambassador of one of the finest airlines in the uk Indeed. harpjet yeah and it's of course uh, uh, it's Owen. Hello, hello. Oh, Hi, guys. guys. Oh, that's right. I panicked them for a minute. Uh, lovely <laughs> to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me. Now, Ooh, now, I get a round of applause, Pip. Thank you very much. <laughs> we, we were going to have a fanfare ready to play for when we introduced you, Owen, but we, we didn't have time to. to oh, oh because I, I, I need more of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what you mean. Uh, right, this is, uh, yes, it's, it's one of these. Now, now, rather unusually, Owen, you're actually not where we've spoken to you for. You're not no, actually you're in Malaga oh, at the moment. Yes, I can't believe no, it. Slightly frightening. I am at home. What? In Ireland. You have one? For once. 
you actually have a home. Um, no. <laughs> what was was the door kind of dusty as you as you went as you went home? Was there like a layer of dust on the door because you hadn't <laughs> been there for so long? <laughs> on the bedroom door, yep, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> Always. So uh, my be- my brother is taking over my bedroom, so uh, oh, how sharing <laughs> with him now at the moment. But uh, yeah, back home for uh, two weeks. Wow. Or so. I think. Wow, first world problems, eh, everyone? First world problems. God, what a heart. <laughs> heart jet's going to be just uh, in tatters. Well, absolutely. No. Ruins. Yeah, like in ruins, ruins absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Where in Ireland are you, Owen? Uh, Galway, so right on the west coast. Ah, oh, very nice. Very nice indeed. Yeah, lovely place to be. So we've got loads of news stories mm. to get through yeah, this week. We've got, on, so yeah. we've got quite a good uh, splattering of military stories as well. We have, yes, thank uh, you to Jonathan. To go through. For Thanks to Jonathan yeah. Warner for sending us those. We've got a really nice uh, story as well, a uh, military story um, mm. as well to add on at the end. Yep. Uh, yep. of that as well. In the Sun newspaper. In the Sun as well, yeah, but it is a quite nice story. Yeah. Uh, we haven't got a segment from Pip, unfortunately, but um, right, we thought, okay. being he's here, it doesn't Yeah, really perhaps you could have a week we off. Have a yeah, week absolutely. off, yeah. <laughs> so when we are going to start... Wait, make one up on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on the fly. Careful. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we, it's, all, it's all the editing that he has to do. You, you have no idea how much editing the guy does, bless him, before... But we need to say uh, a quick as well, before we start the, uh, mm. the news, we need to say a quick hello to everyone who's joined us in the chat yes, room. Yes, busy Chat for today, this yes. evening, we've got uh, loads of people in there. Benjamin Todd, Fernando, uh, some uh, some guy called Jeff Nielsen. Uh, I've heard we've of got him. Uh, Jennifer, yeah. Liz Piper, our main man Mike is in the chat room. Masha's in the chat room. Mile is in the chat room. Uh, Nev Tech Industries is in the chat room. Nick Anderson, Captain Nick's in the chat room. Philip Davis, uh, uh, Pilot Pip, that uh, chat room. Shortbacker. Uh, Shortbacker's in the chat room as well. Main we've man got, Micah. We've got uh, Tony S and Willem Jan and I can't pronounce that last name. I'm no, awful, sorry. I wouldn't even bother. But Willem, <laughs> you'll um, only offend someone. <laughs> but we have. Uh, don't forget before uh, before we start kick off the show. We have. Don't forget we have got the second instalment from have. Short coming yep. up in uh, in uh, in the show this week yep. of his story. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Indeed. So we're going to start the show then, as we do each week, with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if we are all ready, yep, we're all ready. Well, yep, yes. ready here. Let's yeah, go. Ready from Zurich. So, kicking off this week's first news story on the Independence website. This one, Independence. Independence. UK. In- <laughs> Independent. Oh no, he's already mentioned Brexit. We've only oh, just started. I know. <laughs> uh, the headline that Qantas Airlines to offer free in-flight Netflix and Spotify. Ooh. Well, that's quite nice. So we have been talking through the uh, through the weeks about various airlines offering uh, Wi-Fi type um, in-flight entertainment stuff and that. So um, Qantas uh, have uh, revolutionised the flying experience, and um, their uh, followers are uh, well. Obviously, people who fly with them are going to have the uh, the added bonus now of being able to uh, to have free Netflix and Spotify. Something I I'd actually I use Spotify, but not Netflix. So they'll soon be able to uh, bridge uh, or binge watch their favourite TV shows and listen to over 30 million songs uh, from a height of 35,000 feet or whatever flight level they're at. The Australian airline has teamed up with subscription sites Netflix and Spotify, as well as Australian TV app Foxtel, to offer passengers much more 
more entertainment than you'd normally find on board. Uh, while you have to pay for all three services normally, anyone can sign up for a free trial uh, to get 30 days without paying on Spotify and Netflix and three days on Foxtel. The service will be rolled out on Qantas's domestic flights later on this month, uh, along with super-fast Wi-Fi that uh, will reportedly be ten times faster than existing in-flight Wi-Fi. Uh, the rest of the airline's domestic Boeing 737s and A330s aircraft will be kitted out with the new technology from this summer. Uh, excitingly for non-Australians, Qantas says it's looking into installing the new services on international flights as well. And... Um, it carries on about talking about Netflix, but what a, that's a good idea. See, free, one, free Netflix. The, the one thing that blows me away uh, still, uh, e even to this day, is the ability to be able to do high-speed Wi-Fi in the air. Mm. I still, uh, you know, and I thought I got a reasonable understanding about how, how technology works and things, but that still baffles me how you get a, a strong signal. I mean, maybe NevTech would be able to explain what sort of system they well, use they're moving to do it. away. I think they're moving away from the sort of go-go. They're moving on the satellite base stuff i think mm, yes uh, we all yeah. know about satellite internet don't we matt so, oh, no, no, um, i'm familiar with that yes, but, but, but if anybody's watched me try to f align our satellite <laughs> and get it working it takes me a, a, what feels like a, a lifetime uh, <laughs> trying to get a good strong signal because yes. all it takes is like a you know a one millionth quarterly sort of like knock of Turn, the spanner and yeah. suddenly it's no longer yep. pointing in the right place and so so to have automated systems that can do that while you're flying through the air just completely baffles me yeah pretty clever enough yeah yeah uh, how do i get one, <laughs> I <know. laughs> I want one. we use um we use satellite based internet mm. on the aircraft that we have that are wi-fi enabled and i've got to tell you the reports i've heard is it's a load of rubbish Oh really? Um, the, yeah, the Wi-Fi and ours. We do use. We're just using the started using the GoGo -Go system. I'm not entirely sure how it works. Mm, okay. But the the receiver we have, uh, it's like a a router, like the router you have in in your home, and it's so kind of dinky and tiny, it's not up to the job. But if you look at what they've got on the seven threes and those other aircraft, there's like a great big hump on the top side of the fuselage, right. which is the which the is antenna deep. for this yeah. thing. It's an absolutely enormous thing, and they cost apparently about a million quid. Wow. Uh, a go. But that's why they can d deliver this decent internet because they've got a you know a proper a proper receiver for it rather than a, a crappy little router that we've got. I mean, but of course in the states they all use uh, or in other parts of the world at least they use uh, ground-based Wi-Fi right. from ground-based antennas. Ping, yeah. but we just don't have the infrastructure here yet. No, well, I suppose we're such a small island, don't we? I mean, it would be it would be sort of gone before um the, the yeah. well it's not i mean that's european wide generally i know i would imagine it's the similar case in uh, australia where they're using uh, where they don't have ground-based uh, antennas across the country i would imagine a satellite base down there mm. yeah it's um have, i mean have you had much experience with uh, that sort of thing nev no, I haven't actually, and um, of course all the satellite stuff I do is all fixed-based yeah. stuff from yeah. people's mm. uh, buildings and that kind of stuff, so it's not a moving target, and that is that is a whole different uh, kettle of fish. fish and yeah. don't forget, of course, with everybody now with their, uh, everybody's got probably two phones and they've got an iPad, so mm. the amount of updating and stuff that goes on is yeah. incredible, so that the, the bandwidth gets uh, sucked up very quickly indeed, so you have some fairly substantial infrastructure to make this stuff work. And I use my, my phone as an example, like, I mean, I've actually had to turn my automatic updates off 
on my phone because uh, like every time I'm out with my phone it's forever doing updates and as I say presumably you've got the same problem when you, if you have your phone connected to the Wi-Fi on the plane it's, it's you know it thinks it's got an internet connection it's trying to download updates and, yeah. and some of them aren't small are they I mean they're quite a lot of these updates can be sort of hundreds of megabytes sometimes no mm. oh, sure yeah definitely so are you going to so, say uh, Pip sorry I, I was going to ask Owen it's been a, a little while since I travelled on uh, harp jets What's um? You guys aren't <laughs> Wi-Fi enables yes, are you? Or do you have plans no, to be? No, no, no. We're uh, and as far as I know, there's no plans to be Wi-Fi enabled anytime soon. Um, yeah, no. Uh, I, is, I, I uh, to be fair, I don't I mean, think they're going that... to go to the trouble or to the expense of kitting out the fleet. I mean, uh, a lot of that presumably the... because I mean, obviously, Harpjet. A lot, a lot of things that they fly are is basically is predominantly short, short haul, isn't it? I mean, they're, they're, so there's perhaps there isn't the interest. You know, most flights are sort of maybe uh, three hours or less. I guess I probably um, would disagree. The amount of yeah. business people that we get on board would probably be enough to warrant it. Um, and also the the amount of people who come with their kids with uh, their iPads fully loaded with. Mm. stuff mm. like yeah, all, no, all sorts of cbbs and cbc <laughs> yeah. stuff from uh, the bbc player now, now I, yeah, i've got so, a, I, um I've got to throw this question to, to the king that is uh, the king that is BA sponsored by. Um, it's uh, never. Uh, ha- have you had any experience? Uh, do BA have anything that's uh, kitted out um, Wi-Fi wise? They they do. I've not been on that yet, but I'm uh, off to Toronto in May, so oh, wow. it'll be interesting to see what what's going on there. Ooh, but uh, I have got to say, I don't want to hijack the whole thing here, but uh, the, the the BA, some of the BA stuff is a bit of a race to the bottom at the moment. So they've oh. they've got to be careful <laughs> that they, they, they don't lose out behind, uh, yeah. to some of the uh, competitions in in some of the other airlines. So, uh, but uh, that's that's another program entirely. <laughs> <laughs> is there is there like, presumably yeah, I mean, I in the business world, Pip. I, I, mean, I know that. Oh, sorry. Go on, Owen. Go ahead. I know that uh, Norwegian have them, and they're a fairly low cost uh, uh, airline. But I see the the like you were explaining the 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 hump, um, the kind of fairly substantial antenna that they have on their seven threes that we park up uh, beside in Malaga. Mm. So they yeah. they definitely have it. Yeah, I, I would imagine that those seven threes Norwegian came with that, uh, you know, as, as factory fitted right. to retrofit these things that's where that yeah. figure of a million quid comes from per yeah. aircraft so yeah. you know if we wanted to do it at safe jets to equip a hundred aircraft with that sort of wi-fi oh, can so, you imagine? that's a yeah. pretty big dent in our yeah in our uh, budget yeah, um, yeah. Same, same as us for 350 yeah. aircraft yeah the, uh, and presumably with I, that in mind then i mean perhaps they'll do it pip when as and when fleet are replaced you know i mean it's, perhaps yeah. it's not something no, all, all, the, all the new aircraft we're getting now so that uh, the uh, global 6000s the challengers they all have come from the factory uh, including the the uh the phenom uh has it already uh sort of fitted built, built but in. as i say because this is tiny little rubbish router it doesn't mm. it's really not up to the uh to the so same standards this one is the, the the small router is the one that it's come fitted with not the not the big antenna yeah, it's, it's just the route. Well, I mean, it's if you wanted the... to put a big antenna on a small aeroplane, uh, well, yeah, of course, yeah, mm. you know, it's, it's quite <laughs> work. small problem. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. 
So moving on to the next story then, and uh, a special one just for Matt, and uh, and quite an interesting story, I might, I must say. Is it? Say. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to hold my breath. I'm it's not rather exciting. Okay, all right. Well, this is on the Sun newspaper, which always fills me with fear and paper. dread. Uh, so this is the Sun newspaper, so it's the sun.co.uk, and the headline is, Not So Un-Ryan Fair. Incredible airport coat can store 15 kilograms of <laughs> luggage to beat Ryanair and EasyJet's carry-on fees. Uh, You can wave wave bye-bye to outrageous luggage fees when travelling on EasyJet or Ryanair thanks to this ingenious airport coat. I look forward to a full report from our guests in a moment. Uh, The black overcoat can store up to 15 kilograms of luggage in its hidden pockets. Now, I'm just going to pop up a picture while I'm uh, reading this. Sorry, this is in trouble when it's a picture story and I'm the one reading it out. Um, I've got to say, the coat looks really nice. It doesn't actually (laughs) scream at you that it's that that awful, I suppose. I mean, you know, there's no, no we're obvious to store one's underpants that's the the only major issue and and uh Yes, anyway, there's 14 different pockets uh, for you to store laptops, cameras and even shoes without any pesky air steward noticing <laughs> before you get on board. It can conceal two laptops, an iPad, two pairs of shoes, a pair of jeans, five t-shirts and a jumper and a camera. <laughs> the coat can be folded into a duffel bag and can hold both the coat and its contents. The airport jacket comes in men's and women's sizes. The airport jacket comes uh, in... Well, I don't know why that's there twice. Uh, the coat will be manufactured in Australia. This You can always rely on the pesky Australians to come up with really weird stuff like that. So I'm going to pop the advert up for you there. Uh, if you are watching in YouTube, uh, you can see the advert <coughs> there now. Love travelling. The airport jacket has got you covered. There we are. Um, well, um, I'm going to throw this open to our guests. I think that's probably the best thing we can do. Um, and I, like, I like the x-ray picture just a bit further down, Matt, oh, on is the it, story. Oh, is there's, like, there's kind yeah. of like an x-ray type picture of, of, okay. a, of the jacket. Have you seen where they put the laptop <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow it's a shame. I, it's, I couldn't see that going disastrously wrong <laughs> yeah, absolutely. well the fact it's a mac doesn't help but there we go hey oh, oh. oi don't, don't, don't look at you <laughs> that was a low that blow. was completely oh, unnecessary <laughs> yeah it's just not for, sorry i'm with you nev i'm sorry that's outrageous yeah so thoughts on uh, this i mean can i can i, mean, I just interject go on carlos yeah, the right, one laptop that never gives us a moment's trouble <laughs> the one that always does skype the one that we plug in and works every <laughs> single time what what make of laptop is that? Just out of curiosity, let's just throw that out there. Who makes it? Just out of interest. Oh, um, um, has it got an apple on the back yeah, of it? Right? Has got, it? Yeah. Right. Okay. Anyway, yeah. do carry on, Carlos, please. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I've, I've just I've just got to go and put some music on my on my iPod. I'll right. be about three hours. Uh, right. Um, okay. Well, you're doing there. it wrong. <laughs> yeah. If that's how long it takes. Anyway, <laughs> so throw throw this out to our to our to our resident harp jet. Uh, guest on the show then if if oh and if you saw someone uh, walking onto your aircraft <laughs> wearing his coat i mean would you kind of sort of you know, you know ask to have i a have no problem with it per se but uh, you try and put that coat into the overhead locker and i'm going to tell you to take it down <laughs> uh, coats so, go up last and i have a feeling that that one won't go on top of any luggage uh, no. uh, when it gets on in the overhead locker so yeah no that one's going in no, and, and it's got to weigh a ton let's be honest all oh, 15 so, kilograms you have a problem with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's got to weigh a oh, lot. Oh, yeah, 15 kilos. That's a, a, yeah. a god awful way to be carrying around yeah. the, uh, the airport. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, oh, I, I, I can ask you a question. Yeah, of course. It, is there, for you as cabin crew, is there any uh, financial incentive for getting bags in the hold? No. Uh, and possibly the 
opposite for us because uh, as soon as they come on board, it has to go contraflow to the people to get off. Um, so as soon as it comes on board, it's, it's almost too late. It's a lot easier yeah. for us to. Ah. Yeah, it's almost too late. It's mm. a lot easier for us to store it under seats uh, that are empty or in the overhead lockers or behind the, the behind the seats at the very very back of the aircraft. Um, yeah, no, it, it's it's frowned upon if we start taking too many bags, especially if there's empty seats. Because if there's empty seats, we can just throw them in under the yeah under the empty seats at the at the back of the aircraft. Actually, Ken, it is Ken hopes in the chat seats. room. Oh, is he? Oh, yeah, I guess from, uh, yeah. guess from Aero Savvy, Ken says yeah. he said he'll pass on the jacket. He's not really. It yeah. Is, yeah. I mean, yeah, actually, I, ju- I will just briefly finish the story. It says that des- designer Andy Benk is looking for funding on Kickstarter. So if anybody fancies a little, you know, venture or, or you know, investing in a project, uh, its funding page states wearers need simply slide their luggage into the jacket pockets when checking in and boarding the flight. And once safely off the plane, the jacket can be easily unzipped and transformed into a duffel bag capable of holding. Both the jacket plus all the items in its pockets. Ryanair can charge £30 per 15 kilograms of luggage at the check-in desk, but have relaxed their carry-on allowance, allowing customers two pieces of hand luggage. EasyJet continues mm. to charge for more than one carry-on bag. As prices can get sky-high and baggage allowances get stricter, Sun Online has compiled the best ways to beat the airline and make sure you make the most of your money, which I'm not going to bore us with. But uh, Would, anyway, would yeah. I want to put my my debt and my a DSLR camera in a pocket and shove. I, I don't think, I, it, don't think no, I would. No. And I certainly wouldn't be putting my the D's, my proper lens, you know, the, the bad boy lens I have. The <laughs> you look shows. like you're very pleased to see an awful lot of people with, with that yeah, lens. Yeah, with that lens, yeah, that would yeah. not fit <laughs> in there anyway. You'll be very um, pleased to see an awful lot of people. Uh, anyway, no, we move on before I get story, I will say. Interesting <laughs> yeah. story, I will say. Yeah, so, um, absolutely. I, I, I think it's a load of nonsense. I think, yeah. if you, you know, it's it'll, like packed wisely. It'll be coming online soon. It better not. That's all I'm saying. Do you know what end up happening that it'll end up happening that pe- that so many people uh start going through with these jackets as uh coats transferring or transforming them into bags once they get on board and then putting them into the overhead locker that we'll have certain airlines i'm not going to say who that will start banning jackets on board yes yes i suppose that's the next thing now presumably obviously pip this is less of an issue uh for the sort of work that you do i mean it's uh, you could basically uh, you must have yep. weight limits i suppose um no, not really. I mean, if they can fit it on, we'll take it. Yeah. Um, no, we, we've got no um, limits to, to how much baggage they can take on. It's, you know, they're bearing and, uh, the aircraft. Yeah, well, uh, that's true. And what, got- do you, what do you have for the, uh, the storage to store them in? Is there a wardrobe or is there... No, uh, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> on the Hawker, we've got a, uh, a single baggage hold, which... Uh, it can be a little bit tight, actually. Um, if you're one of the Hawker crews, you get pretty damn good at playing Tetris <laughs> on yes. a daily basis. For some cases <laughs> ding, 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 ding. But um, no, no, I mean, mo- mo- you know, most people of our uh, clients, they know what they're buying, they know what they're getting into, so they know what's practical mm. and what's not. I mean, yeah. we occasionally get people turn up with just an insane amount mm. of baggage, and occasionally, very occasionally, we have to kind of put our foot down and say, no, it's just, it's just clearly not going to fit. Yeah. You, we had one guy uh, yeah. <laughs> a year ago turned up with, I don't really know what it was, it was part of a table, it was the most hideous table <laughs> you've ever seen. You know, honestly, right. some of these mega millionaires have no mm. taste whatsoever. It was a table, <laughs> but it had this thing 
like a centerpiece, which was right. um, um, antlers from a from a deer or a buck. Lovely, good, yes. But it was huge. <laughs> it was like ten feet wide. Right. And we looked at it and we said, "There's no way that's going to go in." Yeah. And sure enough, we kind of turned it this way and that way and upside yeah, down, but we would, couldn't yeah. physically yeah. fit it through the fit it through the door. So you got to change the and cut it in half. Oh, so we said, "Sorry, it's, uh, you either leave it wasn't there or the we here." Obviously, then yeah, uh, yeah, wasn't yeah. wasn't flat pack. Then no, oh, where no, you go. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I suppose a roof rack is out of the question as well. Yeah, it's probably frowned upon. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I'm now going to throw throw that question to and now. Obviously, you know our representative here for uh, the UK's finest airline in the entire <laughs> world. Uh, and uh, Nev, I'm going to ask the question. I mean, what, what what is the baggage allowance as far as like taking stuff on board is concerned? I mean, is, is there a limit? I mean, are they a bit more relaxed perhaps than yeah, yeah. The, the lower uh, cost? I think the, 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 the BA boys and girls uh, do allow a lot of d- discretion both at the gate and at the check-in as well. But listen, I've got no problem with this sort of harp jet kind of thing at all in the sense that, you know, they have been very creative uh, in the past in terms of what you're allowed to take on and what you're not. Mm. And inevitably, there's going to be the passengers uh, and the manufacturers of third-party baggage mm. systems that will be going, oh, how can we do this? Or how can we squeeze this on somehow? So, yeah, I think it's a, it's a very good thing. But uh, the, the overall theme, I think, uh, in terms mm. of cabin baggage, um, from what I'm seeing when I'm flying you know once a fortnight yeah. or whatever it is these days uh it's just getting so silly and yeah. uh, very congested as well yeah. and of course you know uh if any of those uh, overhead lockers open uh, there's a lot of weight in there and that's going to do a lot of damage turbulence or a uh, or a bounce landing or mm. something like that so you've got yeah. to be a bit bit careful about the stuff that's going up there i think so I, I say you, i would you, say we have a oh go on, go on Owen. Uh, we we have the the new uh, um, uh, interiors at work, where the the Boeing Sky interiors that we have uh, in work, and they've got these new improved improved uh, <laughs> happens that we have. Oh right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they hold less baggage, uh, but every so often the whenever the aircraft is taking off or landing or whatever, these uh, happens will slowly pop open, right. and, and all uh, the things yeah, will slowly yeah, fall out onto people. people's heads. Yes. <laughs> well, that's that. No, that. we we don't tend to have anything fall out of them because they're they're in a nice curve and they they yeah, right. have a kind of a lip on them, but. Um, no, they, they they kind of freak you out the first time that happens. <laughs> uh, Pip, you you were then going to say? Uh, I was going to say you you know you get what you pay for. If you want to travel yeah. on EasyJet or or Ryanair for for ten pounds return, then brilliant. But if you want to yeah. put a bag in, if you want to take twenty kilos of stuff, well then mm. pay the extra twenty pounds and put it in the hold. Yes, because as Nev said, the situation on on board some of these flights is just, just insane. Insane, definitely. With bags you see everywhere. people coming on with like two or three trolley bags, which is not on. No, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Indeed. So moving on to yeah. the next story. Yeah, actually, before, before we move on to oh. the next story, I'm just going to say, look, look what I actually found uh, when I was uh, unpacking a box. Is actually, I, I treated myself to putting my uh, my airplane geeks bag on today. Oh. I, 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 I Michael, be like, proud of. It. I know. Well, that's what that's that's yeah. why I'm mentioning it really. But uh, uh, I think to, to the so uh, we'll throw this next story. I think we'll throw this to Nev actually. If yeah, that's all right. Nev. You want to um, take, take the next story? Yes, by all means, uh, guys. This is on the Skift website, and um, it says that years after Delta Airlines, uh, like its US competitors, removed free meals from its domestic flights, America's most profitable airline is bringing them back, well, at least on some routes. Delta, which made more than $6 billion in pre-tax income last year, said uh, said Thursday it soon will feed passengers substantial food on 12 of its longest US routes. 
It says it'll be the first airline to offer free food from nose to tail on coast-to-coast routes since Continental Airlines removed its snacks in 2010. The plan, Delta said, is to give away food in the airline's most strategic markets. And uh, Delta Airlines' uh, announcement comes three and a half months after it be- uh, began surprising customers with food on some flights between New York and Los Angeles and San Francisco. During a six-week six test, Delta said it was evaluating whether snacks improved customer satisfaction scores. The airline reported a significant increase in scores. And uh, on most routes that will have food, Delta has fierce competition, both from legacy airlines, such as United Airlines and American Airlines, as well as Alaska Airlines and JetBlue Airways. Among those, uh, those airlines, only American offers free uh, meals in coach on domestic flights and only has them on its longest routes to Hawaii. From New York JFK, where Delta competes with American and JetBlue on many routes, Delta will feed customers headed to Los Angeles, San Francisco, San Diego, Seattle and Portland, Oregon. Uh, And uh, from Seattle, where Alaska Airlines is the main competition, Delta will have free food to Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Orlando and Raleigh-Durham, North Carolina. And from Boston, where JetBlue is market leader, Delta will feed customers flying to Seattle, Los Angeles and San Francisco. And on one other route, Los Angeles to Washington, Reagan, will also have free food. Both American and Alaska also fly between these two airports. And flights between New York and Los Angeles and San Francisco will start getting free food on March the 1st. And food will reappear on other routes after April the 24th. And the snacks, which Delta says it will change on a regular schedule, will be similar to what Delta sells on longer flights. At first, on morning flights, Delta will ask off a breakfast sandwich, mm. cheese plate or breakfast medley, which usually includes a hard-boiled egg, fruit and small muffins. At other times, passengers will have the choice of a turkey sandwich, veg- <laughs> vegetable wrap or fruit and a cheese plate. On red-eye flights, Delta will pass out breakfast bars before landing and they've already been given uh, have been giving free substantial snacks to customers sitting in its premium economy section called comfort plus and they're going to feed all their customers including those on the bare bones fare called basic economy and uh, customers who buy those fares which were designed to allow delta to profitably compete with discounters frontier airline airlines allegiant air and spirit airlines are not able to choose seats in advance nor can they upgrade their tickets or change their flights for any reason but once on the plane delta tries to treat the customers like any other passengers and uh, other u.s airlines may eventually copy delta but that's far from certain and they've been uh, more than generous with food than many competitors and even after delta started providing free food beer beer and wine to its domestic premium economy customers neither american nor united follows so uh, on regular flights uh, delta offers more substantial light snacks than american and united and it recently added hanover pretzels squirrel brand honey roasted peanuts and nature box apple cinnamon yogurt bars to its rotation um yeah it's, I, I, i'm um, very hungry now i must I'm say gonna, if, if, yeah, they're, yeah, if they're gonna offer up the cheese board that they've got the picture of on oh, this yeah, story yeah. i'll be well That'll chuffed do. with that because yeah. that looks really I nice think, I, popped, okay. I popped up while nev was uh, reading the story yeah it's, but it's funny how delta dropped all this or you know mm. you know that, that long ago do, they've now brought this back because um, ba obviously stopped doing their free mm. um food on on the short haul flights i wonder whether you know this is, is something that will come back again i, I don't know it, it's a really interesting thing uh when i came back 
from Amsterdam uh, the week before last. Uh, there was a, all, all hell to pay because BA are forcing you to buy. Well, they don't force you to buy, but if you want to eat in economy, you've got to buy the uh, Marks and Spencer sandwiches and all the rest of it. But at the end of the day, it was a 45-minute flight from Amsterdam yeah, to Heathrow. Yeah, Heathrow. It's not so I think it, people, people can probably cope with that, uh, really, or, or bring their own food maybe mm. from the... Yeah. Uh, Especially, as you um, say, for a short hop. A bit after security. Everyone in the chat room is yeah, starving what baffles now. me is... Uh, the amount of people who buy ridiculous amounts of food, and I mean ridiculous, like uh, panini and a lasagna and uh, three beers and a, whatever it is. Why on uh, earth are you complaining? <laughs> I, I agree with you, and actually, I've noticed that you, you've probably seen this yourself, but I notice that people eat a lot more on aircraft, especially short uh, sectors, mm. than they would ever do yeah, normally. Yeah, they do on, on yeah, normally. Mad, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mad, isn't it? <laughs> But it's part Absolutely of the experience, mad. isn't it, for a lot of people? Yeah. They don't take that many flights a year, and you know they go to duty free, and they buy a load of crap they don't need or want, and they get on the plane <laughs> and they buy a, a fifteen euro panini. Yeah, <laughs> that's a bargain. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's it's good for me. I'm not complaining. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's all exactly. about commissions at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah. So that works yeah. well. For <laughs> yeah. But this makes sense on the on the on the Delta thing because remember, some of their domestic flights are like seven hours long. Yeah. I mean, mm. you know, New York to San Francisco or. or whatever routes they were talking about uh, uh, long haul routes really by any other name so you know to not feed people on such a long flight yeah you can't compare it with a, a you know a ba amsterdam to heathrow no, no. I, I, I think actually the meals that we had with uh, with Delta when we flew back from Minneapolis last year, from um, from Minneapolis back to Heathrow, the yeah. food was brilliant on board um, on, yeah. on the uh, on the Delta, and they they couldn't give us enough red wine. It was, <laughs> but but they, presumably this was this was before they they. They yeah, well, yeah. This is this is on the long. This is on the long. I think it's different right. for the long haul flights. Right. But, okay. um, but you know the food offerings I had on on board. Yeah, the can we move on, please? Really I'm good. starving. Uh, well, had a, uh, 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 as you uh, know, I flew back from Atlanta. Uh, Lufthansa. Go on, Pip. Sorry. I, was, I flew back from Atlanta just a few weeks ago, a few months ago, mm. uh, with Delta, and uh, it was rubbish. Just terrible, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> awful. The food is bad. The staff are rude. I, I don't know why you're asking Jeff. Stuff. He flies for Acme, if I, if memory serves. Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah. was very nice actually. I must say, um, uh, it was a good service and a, some really nice food. Uh, other airlines could learn a lot. Yeah. Oh, what from from Delta? Delta's yeah. offering. Oh, really? No, they could just learn a lot in general. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the next story, then, uh, Pip. I'm I'm hoping you've got uh, the next story on oh, your uh, on your me. <laughs> oh, yeah, the <laughs> oh, this is the Air India story. There is, yes. Yeah. Zoom Air. So I've spent all day practicing how to pronounce some of these names. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, this is from the CN. I, I was scrambling, making sure that it wasn't going to be me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to have to ask for help in a second. Yeah, okay. You're next, Owen. Um, <laughs> this is from the cntraveller.in website. Uh, Zoom Air is India's newest airline. Matt, do you have a picture of this airline? To I do indeed, I yes. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Now, first things first, that is an awesome paint scheme. I love that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it is good. Uh, for those of you listening in the audio podcast, obviously take yourself to cntraveller.in and search for Zoom Air India's newest airline. Uh, to briefly describe it, basically the, the, sort of the front half of the plane as Gold. far as back as that. So yeah. what, what sort of aircraft is that before That's I get to... Uh, CR, is that a CRJ? The CRJ, yeah. Yeah, yeah. CRJ, okay. Yeah. So, so um, back as far as, as sort of the start of the wings, you've got a, a lovely sort of gold colour. 
color mm. uh, with the zoom air logo just under some of the windows then you've got a sort of like a like a blue lightning bolt and then the remainder of the fuselage is, is sort of red with the logo on it's a back. z it's a or a z, a z yeah yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. A zorro z yeah <laughs> gotta love zorro mm. Right, let me read this thing then. There's a new bird in the Indian skies. Unpronounceable-based Zoom Air launched commercial operations earlier this week with an inaugural flight from Delhi to Durgapur, West Bengal, via Kolkata. Is that Calcutta spelt in a funny way? Kolkata. Well, why not? We'll, we'll oh, go with so it. We'll go with Kolkata. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the airline plans to connect Mumbai and Delhi to underserved regional airports across the country. It has launched flights from New Delhi to uh, Amritsar and Durgapur. Over the next few months, Zoom Air claims it will add daily flights to... Anyone can jump in here, please. Azul, Arungabad, Chandigarh. And some other places. <laughs> wow. Dharamshala, Jaipur, Hyderabad, 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 Mumbai, Kalu, Jorat, Lucknow, Lucknow, Ranchi, Mumbai, Shringar, Shringar, and Shillong. Shillong. And you, Aaron, know that. Well done. <laughs> you see. Um, yeah, basically, they're, they're, they're launching their new livery, and uh, it looks great, to be fair. It yeah, really they're using a, a CRJ200, mm. in brackets, long range. I'm not quite sure what that means, because a CRJ is definitely not a long range aircraft. Yeah, they've got uh, one of these two, at the moment. Yeah, two by two cabin configuration. The full service airline will serve complimentary meals on board. Ooh. Are they're, you listening, BA? <laughs> they've actually they've actually got another one of these CRJ two hundreds. They're going to be getting that one at the end of April this year. So they'll have um, uh, two air, two CRJ two hundreds in the fleet. We're, we're not allowed to be horrible about BA. I'm sorry. Just be nice, everyone. But by no, the no, end, no, by I, the I've end, I've got a. Very thick skin. It's all right. <laughs> no, by the, by the end of this year, anyway, getting back to story, you, you mad lot. Anyway, hey. by the end of this year, they're going to have five of these. I'll eat more prawn CRJ two hundreds in the fleet. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed, <clears throat> that's quite a nice jet. I do like that CRJ two hundred actually. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. works really yeah. well. Band job's really really good. Mm. Yes. Right. So moving on then to the next story, and Owen, we're uh, if you've uh, got that in front of you there, it's the Dallas read. News is the one we want. Do indeed, yeah. Uh, Dallas News website, and it says this is uh, the American oh, Airlines jet. So the American Airlines jet made an emergency landing on Wednesday after hitting a deer and leaking fuel onto a runway in Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh no! The American Eagle plane was flying uh, 44 passengers and four crew members to Gulfport, Mississippi. At about 12.15pm, when the CRJ-700 struck a deer during takeoff, according to the statement from American Airlines. The plane immediately returned to the airport. Before landing, the crew declared an emergency and flew the plane over uh, personnel on the ground to see if there was any damage, according to the Charlotte Observer. Uh, and, quote, we've got... Uh, uh, 5320, you are showing, you're trailing some kind of vapour or, or something off the right wing, an air traffic controller worker told the flight crew. We copy and we understand, the flight crew replied. Uh, and the jet returned to land at Charlotte Douglas International Airport and the firefighters sprayed flame retardant uh, on the leaking fuel. American Airlines said in a statement. 
Wow. Oh, man, that's really uh, the plane was evacuated and the passengers were taken to the terminal uh, to be placed on another flight. Passengers Antonio Buca couldn't see the damage uh, when he got off the plane, but said during takeoff it sounded like a tire popped. And uh, the runway had been closed off to com- uh, to clean up and to investigate, according to the Observer. The airport would look into how a deer got onto the runway, an airport spokesman told the Observer. Deer strikes are not rare for planes in the US. There were over 1,100 deer aircraft collisions reported between 1990 and 2015, according to the Federal Aviation Administration. Of these collisions, 84% re- resulted into damage to the airport air- aircraft. I'm no. surprised that's not higher. I oh, know. I saw. I saw yeah, the. Uh, I saw uh, the video on online this week, and I also there was a few pictures posted on social media uh, that someone had taken out of the window of the aircraft, and the uh, the deer had made such a huge dent really? in the wing. It had obviously ruptured the fuel tank, and the fuel was. You know, there, there are, there, it's fair to say that there are some horrific jokes going on in the chat room right oh, now. I, I None of which is. we are going to read out loud uh, because they're just all in terribly bad taste, and you should all be terribly ashamed <laughs> of yourselves. But uh, nevertheless, well done. So on, a, uh, on a safety <laughs> point of view, though, Pip, did you get a chance uh, to see these uh, the pictures, all the videos on uh, on social media of the uh, damage to the to the leading edge? I, I didn't see a video. I think I probably saw a, a picture or two. Um, yeah, I, I guess it's what you'd expect if you hit a larger uh, mammal. Some blood and some guts and uh, a bit of cleaning up to be done. Is is it that commonplace though? I mean, is it, I mean, presume I mean, it strikes me as a fairly rare incident. I mean, well, I mean, given the millions of flights that happen every every uh, week, then yeah, it's pretty rare. But um, you know, we hit things. I've I've hit plenty of birds and uh, and stuff like that. And, mm. You know, it happens every so often. I think the other thing is, uh, Pip, that presumably uh, there's plenty of energy available, you know, at the takeoff phase and probably on the landing phase as well to, to deal with some of those things. Obviously, if you're hitting some big things, that's a big issue. But uh, I would imagine the aircraft has certainly got enough energy to, to deal with those things, uh, even though it makes a bit of a mess and, and may cause some, you know, hydraulic problems or fuel leaks, that, that kind of thing. Yeah, you know, a 40-ton aircraft travelling at 150-odd miles an hour is not going to be too troubled by a, a 100 kilo deer no. No. but that's not to say it couldn't cause some real damage no. um a, you know a deer's not going to go down the engine but a large bird down the engine or uh i don't know a, a large mammal in the undercarriage bay um you know these guys did a good job there they uh realized they hit something they assessed the situation they uh, gathered some information from other sources they assessed what they need to do and then they returned back it's um you know, yes, it's, 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 you know, there's there's no checklist that says deer strike, yeah. or you know, there's no <laughs> bit in your what to do with the which tells you exactly what to do when you hit a large mammal. You got, you know, this is where airmanship and experience comes in. So they um, use their best judgment and, and got everyone safely back on the ground. So good job to those guys. Yeah. So moving on to the next story, which uh, should have been Owen's, actually, really, to be Uh, fair, with the... uh, (laughs) Well, yeah, given that he's home at the moment. I know. Uh, So the next story is on the irishtimes.com website, and uh, it's it's good news. It's good news for uh, for Owen, actually. Dublin is ranked as the fastest-growing airport in Europe. Really? So uh, the the airport itself records 11.5% rise in passenger numbers to almost 28 million. 
Europe's uh, airports welcomed a record-breaking 2 billion passengers last year, with Dublin ranked the fastest-growing major uh, one following an impressive 11.5% rise in passenger numbers in 2016. New figures released by ACI Europe, the Trade Association for European Airports, ranked Dublin Airport first in the major airport category, followed by Barcelona's El Prat and Amsterdam's Schiphol, with a growth of 11.2% and 9.2% uh, respectively. Copenhagen and Madrid's Barajas airports around, uh, round out the uh, top of five, top five fastest growing major airports last year after recording 9.1% and 7.7% rise in passenger numbers. Major airports are defined as those attracting more than 25 million passengers a year. Uh, Dublin Airport recorded almost 28 million passengers, wow, in 2016, up uh, 2.8 million in the previous year. Uh, the passenger growth at Dublin Airport was aided by the launch of 19 new routes last year, while additional capacity was added on 31 existing services. Almost all our airline customers increased their operations at Dublin in 2016, and we'd like to thank all of them for their business during the year, said Dublin Airport's Managing uh, Director Vincent Harrison. Passenger traffic across the European ne uh, airport network showed strong momentum last year, posting an average growth of 5.1% uh, with airports in the Eurozone, seeing passenger volumes increasing by 6.7% despite the impact of terrorist attacks in mainland Europe. Uh, traffic at non-EU airports posted an average of 0.9% increase, uh, decrease, sorry, primarily due to a 6.6% decline in passenger numbers at Turkish airports caused by terrorism and political instability. Uh, Europe's biggest airport overall last year was London Heathrow uh, with 75.7 million passengers. Uh, it was followed by Paris Charles de Gaulle, oh, I was there a few weeks back, uh, 65.9 uh, million passengers. Amsterdam Schiphol with 63.6 million. Uh, Frankfurt with 60.7 million. And uh, Istanbul and Turk, uh, 60 million passengers. In December, passenger traffic grew by 10.9% with Europe surpassing uh, Asia Pacific to become the fastest growing world region. Uh, Dublin was ranked the fourth fastest growing major airport for the month with passenger volumes up 13.3% year-on-year, placing it behind Moscow, SVO, Barcelona and London Gatwick, but ahead of Paris Orly. Uh, freight traffic uh, grew across Europe's airports as well, good news for uh, for Ken and uh, Miami Rick, uh, by 4.1%, the best performance since 2010. Now I'm guessing, uh, Owen, you, you obviously being that side of the uh, the pond or the river as such, uh, you, you've seen an increase in, in passenger numbers with you guys? Oh yeah, I mean year on year there's a there's an increase in Dublin every year. There seems to be new construction to build a, another pier or terminal or an extension on an existing uh, terminal in Dublin. Always, always there. Um, I know at the moment they're extending out their pier E, I think it is. So they're putting on another three or four gates at the end of that. Um, so there's some huge expansion going on, and it's it's pretty visible uh, in Dublin. And uh, yeah, no, it's great for great for Ireland, great for the for the Irish economy, uh, great for the tourism here, and uh, obviously great for uh, Harpjet. Yeah, well, we yeah, flying there absolutely. pretty regularly. Yeah, I bet. So moving on, uh, the next story I think should go to Pip, please. Yeah, if, Pip. if I may. Yeah, go on, uh, then, Pip. <laughs> 
Sorry, I'll unmute myself. Yeah, unmute yourself. Um, I, I should just say, poor Pip is struggling with a really, really bad cold, which is yeah. he's he's soldiering on, bless him. So thank you very much for that. Oh, just a, just a little tickle. Right, this is the the Harrison Ford story, is it? Yes, that's, that's it. Right. Yeah. Yep. Okay, this is a story I've chosen to call uh, Indiana Jones and the Pilot of Doom. <laughs> Harrison Ford has been spotted in public for the first time since he nearly crashed his single-engine Husky plane into a Boeing 737, a Boeing 737 carrying 110 passengers at the start of the week. I've got to say, this story is full of hyperbole and nonsense. I'll continue. Ford was seen driving his Tesla Model S to Santa Monica Airport, California, on Wednesday, the same place he nearly caused his second serious plane crash in two years on Monday. Uh, also on Wednesday, the FAA told TMZ that the investigation into the Star Wars actor's near miss had been put on hold, leaving his fate in the wind for the foreseeable future. Ooh. <laughs> May the feds be with him. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got a whole page of puns here. Oh, oh, oh br brace no. yourselves, everyone, yes. <laughs> <Okay>. Oh, no. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I did try to play the audio clip for some reason. It hasn't worked. Uh, oh, really? That's I know. the best bit. I know, I know. Tell me about it. We'll, we'll, see, we'll see if it uh, plays if I can out. Get it. Hang on. If you, oh, I can get it off. Um... Oh, God. Oh, let me just continue reading very briefly then. Um, this is obviously the story of uh, uh, Mr. Harrison Ford in his light aircraft, a Husky. Uh, he landed at John Wayne's National Airport um, on uh, the shorter of the two runways. And uh, the runway was actually... No, he landed on a taxiway, sorry. And the taxiway was, was occupied by a, an American Airlines 737. <laughs> uh, so the story says, The FAA said it could take weeks for the Indiana Jones Star investigation to be processed because of a considerable backlog. Uh, since the case does not pose an immediate danger, it has been put on the back burner. However, the fallout from that investigation, when it is concluded, could result in anything from a warning letter to Ford losing his license. Oh, Maybe wow. he won't be allowed to fly Han Solo anymore. Oh, no. Huh? So we have, see, we did that. Yeah, high five. Yeah, yeah. No, you're not having a high five, Owen. No, don't you you do, Owen, don't you dare. <laughs> <laughs> so we have, we have got, uh, we have got. A, 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 I think we've got a bit of live ATC. Yes, have we? Um, oh, okay. ATC. Of this. Okay. So right. uh, we're gonna, we're gonna play that for you now. Okay. There we go, a bit of uh, live uh, ATC there. Right, okay. <laughs> From Indiana Jones uh, and the Last Crusade, of right. course. Okay, good. Where That's... he attempts to land the plane on a 737. Right. Um... <laughs> okay, so I think we should move on now before we all get sued. <laughs> and, uh... No, this is a great story. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Right. Oh, it's, um, it's, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's worrying, I suppose, really. Um, <laughs> the chat room's enjoyed it. Anyway. Was there, oh, right, okay. Mr. Ford does have some previous. He does, indeed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I don't think you could blame him for that. He had a, an engine failure a couple of years ago, and uh, some might argue rather skillfully managed to put it down on a, a golf course. 
course without killing anyone or himself so that was a, <coughs> a what, what could argue, uh, 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 um, but I, I also sent you that picture are you able to put the picture up just yep, so you can certainly. see what uh, he might have been seeing oh yeah, we had that absolutely. yeah we had yeah. That, the picture you put up on there a second ago so this is john wayne international airport oh my microphone fell over uh-oh I think it's been drinking. Yeah, fair enough. Dear I know how it feels. Uh, it is a Friday yeah. night at the end of the day. So there we are. I've popped the, pop the picture up for you now. Oh, sweet. So there's uh, one very long runway, mm. um, which is 20 right, I think. I haven't got it in front of me. And yeah, then the shorter is, yeah. runway, which he was told to land on. Yeah. I found out. Here we go. I've got the picture here. Yeah, two zero right is the long diagram. one, and two zero left is the short runway, and then yeah, just and to, then, the, uh, then to the, the left on the, of two zero on the left of that, as he was looking at it, there's this taxiway. Yeah. But if you can see there on the picture, I can't see it myself at the moment, but um, there's an awful lot of grey tarmac there. You can see how it's, you know, I don't want to be too harsh on him, but you can see how it's um, easily confused. And you kind of get yourself into the mindset. He's looking at the right runway and he's thinking, or he's looking at the runway rather, he's meant to land on 20 left. Mm. And he's thinking, right, that's the runway. I've got to be on the left of that. Yeah. So he uh, he lands on the taxiway. But um, the puzzling bit, I suppose, is, you know, he must have seen that that 737 was there. Whether it was already there in front of him as he was making his approach or whether it taxied under him as he crossed the threshold, I, I I don't know, mm. but um, I mean, we we having, all, you might expect him to yeah, have you, gone you, around rather than just go and had a landing. But you have to sort of assume that. I mean, we're we're all human at the end of the day. We all are prone to mistakes. At the end of the day, nobody was actually like hurt as such. I mean, it's, you know, there there is an issue there, obviously. But um, you know, I mean, yeah, no, like I say, you know, he's he's not the first person to do it, and he certainly won't be the last. Lots of very true airliners mm. that have landed on the wrong airports, for goodness sake, let yeah. alone the wrong runway. So, mm. um, you know, stuff happens, and move on. He'll probably get a, a bit of a, a slap on the wrists, perhaps. And, and to be what okay, I'd like to know is the uh, the immediate danger. So the the case does not pose immediate danger. Okay, fair enough, but. I would have thought that something like this would be something that the FA would want to investigate pretty, pretty speedily. No, because uh, if you've got people mistaking taxiways for runways, then obviously there's some sort of procedural issue there, um, or potentially uh, there's a procedural issue there with the with however the. Hmm. Instructions have been laid uh, yeah, out. Suppose, or uh, they, they've got to get. They've got to get da to the bottom of why he made that mistake. I suppose was it just literally yeah, I, human error, I, I or, or was I he given the wrong was, instructions? Uh, that would have been kind of yeah, um, as Matt said. Yeah, I don't know. A any thoughts on on this, Nev? <laughs> well, obviously, <laughs> no, uh, I'm going to be very simplistic here, and um, I, I, I don't get it. I, I don't understand why you can't see a 737 mm. right in front of you. And as Pip said, maybe he taxed it on, you know, afterwards. So, but uh, the, but the, presumably the runway width. Uh, uh, compared to the taxiway width is somewhat different so it might be quite obvious to land a lighter aircraft on two zero left compared to the taxiway but i wasn't there and uh, i'm going to be the the monday morning quarterback here and uh, you know the the, 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 <laughs> well, the, 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 arm, the armchair clever bloke that wasn't in the cockpit yeah, at the time yeah. so i you know to give him the benefit of the doubt I, if you uh, have a look at that, that picture we put up earlier the two zero right the main instrument runway is very obvious it's a, a different color and it's got all the the usual yeah. runway markings it's got the piano keys it's got approach lights but then that the other one it really does blend in 
um, with the, the surrounding uh, sort of pavement yeah. and tarmac. Um, yeah, I agree. It's just a human factors cock mm. up. I mean, yeah, the FAA will certainly get round to it, but uh, I don't think I could be wrong. But I don't think there's a you know an awful lot they're going to learn from that. They'll just no. put it down to one of those things. I, I just hope for his sake he doesn't lose his license over it because I mean that's that's really that seems a little bit harsh perhaps to lose his life i mean i, I know no, i, I know don't think you will I, I mean it's a serious incident i i accept that but i mean it just seems a little bit unfair to to sort of you know a guy who's been as you as you were saying earlier you know i mean he's been he has had previous for for an incident but it was nevertheless handled very expertly um in in my opinion based on on the information and the reports that i read um you know so and i don't think uh, his age has got anything to do with the reason perhaps why this incident took place so um well i i, I, and I I'm, think on the opposite side of that, too, he's also got um, he's also got awards for his flying. Am I am I wrong there, or is that just my imagination? Ooh. Yeah, at the end of uh, Star Wars: A New Hope, he got a, a great big medal for blowing up the Death Star. <laughs> <laughs> oh, indeed, yes, <clears throat> right, splendid. Uh, <laughs> Carlos, please, please get us out of so, this. So <laughs> next, then, uh, I think we'll go. With, I think we'll go with the uh, the legend that is Nevtech over uh, over there for the oh. next story. I, I've been perusing Nevtech's new website, by the way. I know he, I, he can promote that. Yes, it, it won't change your life, ladies and gentlemen. Oh. It's a bit of a bit of a faff, but anyway, we'll, we'll come back. To that later on, mate. <laughs> no, uh, I, this st- is from I, the, I still uh, want to Australian talk to you about aviation showing website. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Virgin Australia plans to delay the arrival of the Boeing 737 MAX in its fleet until the end of 2019 and extend leases on its current 737-800 next generations amid subdued market conditions. The decision to pro- uh, postpone first delivery of Boeing's next generation narrowbody announced on Friday means that $350 million of planned capital expenditure related to its order of 40 737 MAX aircraft has been deferred to beyond the end of the 2018-2019 financial year. And Virgin's got 40 737 MAX on order. The airline group had said previously it expected to start receiving MAX aircraft in 2018. However, Virgin's first 737 MAX is now scheduled to arrive in the f- final quarter of the 2019 calendar year. Existing leases on some Boeing 737s NG aircraft may be extended in order to support the group's capacity requirements, Virgin said in its 2016-17 first task based on Friday. And Virgin's initial order for 23737 MAX is made in uh, July 2012. Had the aircraft being delivered from uh, 2019 to 2021. Then in August 2014, Virgin bought for the delivery to 2018. The airline group then converted orders it held for 17 737 800s into 737 MAX 8 orders, lifting its total order book for the types uh, to 40 frames into August 2015. I do hope you're keeping up with this, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, currently, the Virgin Australia group of airlines has got 79 737 700 and 800 series aircraft 75 are flying in virgin colors whilst four are in the tiger air australia fleet the boeing website shows virgin also has four unfulfilled 737 800 orders and in other news virgin said that it, it's it's the uh, the last of its 18 embryo uh, e190s will leave the fleet by the end of calendar year 2017 which was part of the cost reduction and fleet simplification efforts separately virgin has put a, a mid 
2017 start to non-stop flights to Hong Kong as part of a commercial partnership with shareholder HNA. And Virgin announced plans to start services from Australia to Hong Kong and Beijing in May 2016 in, in its application to Australia's International Air Services Commission seeking the necessary traffic rights to mount flights to North Asia. Virgin had set a June the 1st of 2017 start date for both services and whilst non-stop flights from Australia to mainland China were still on the cards, Virgin said that it now planned to start those flights in further stages of the agreement with HNA. The proposed alliance between Virgin and HNA, which covers co-chairing on Virgin and HNA Airlines flights between Australia, Hong Kong and Australia and China, and the carrier's domestic networks, reciprocal frequent flyer benefits and cooperation on route planning, sales, distribution and marketing will require Australian competition and consumer commission approval. In the first half of the results, the Virgin uh, reported a statutory net profit tax loss of $36.1 million, slumping back into the red from a net profit of $45.7 million into the, uh, in the prior corresponding period. That's a big hit, isn't it? And uh, underlying profits before tax, which removed one-off items and were regarded as, as the best indication of financial performance, was $42.3 million, a decline of 48% from uh, $81.5 million in the 2015-2016 first half. And uh, revenue dipped 0.9% to $2.63 billion, Virgin said in a regu- regulatory filing to the Australian Security Exchange. A slide presentation accompanying the financial results showed Virgin books $69.8 million in restructuring charges in sorry changes in the 2016-17 first half as part of its Better Business Programme, which aims to reduce costs through fleet simplification and operational efficiencies in catering, maintenance and fuel consumption. And Virgin said that the programme was on track to achieve net free cash flow savings of $300 million by the end of 2018-2019. And Virgin Chief Executive John Borghetti said that there was continued subdued trading conditions in the domestic market. And going forward, I hate that expression, but that's oh, what it says. Going word. forward, uh, <laughs> with some low-hanging fruit, uh, the I, group will stay <laughs> focused on strengthening our financial position by further optimising the balance sheet and building a lower cost base, Borghetti said in a statement. Due to uncertainty, and external market conditions were unable to provide further guidance at this time. That was a bit long-winded, but uh, just goes to show you, doesn't it, if you've got mixed fleet, um, it's all about spares, running costs, and uh, all the rest of it, and, and crew training as well. Yeah. So fleet simplification uh, seems to be the name of the game for a lot of airlines at the moment. Yeah. It's, it's, well, yeah, it certainly works so well for us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, you, 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 Harpjet has got some uh, some of these 737 Maxes on order, uh, which would be yes, nice to yes, see those do. come online. Yeah, which uh, I've heard that um, the the pilots are going to have to go through a little bit of extra training because I think they've got bigger screens and more buttons, and <laughs> I'm not exactly sure but uh, there, there's some changes to the cockpit um, but uh, for us it's not going to make it any difference whatsoever no, no, it's going to be from a, from, from same, a, old, from a, same old in the back yeah from a sort of uh, you know cabin crew point of view it, it affects will perhaps you might have fancier new touch screens to uh, to, to operate um, you know when it comes to uh, landing etc but um, yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah we've actually already got some of those uh, which um, 
they're, they're, they're working reasonably well in the in the, the new interiors. Mm. Uh, and apparently, it's supposed to be quieter as well. These these maxes are supposed to be thirty or forty percent something quieter th- wow. than the the original energies. Exactly sure. Yeah, very much good news if you're a passenger. Then, um, uh, okay, Pip, how are we yeah, feeling uh, for? Oh no, no, it's, it's Owen's go actually, isn't it? Yes, my apologies, Owen. Uh, you've uh, got the next story. Yep. Uh, it's the Fox Business News no one. The did, did Singapore Airlines just kill the Airbus A380 jumbo yet? All right, so uh, yeah, as Matt said, this is from foxbusiness.com, and it's all about well, whether Singapore just killed the uh, A380. So last week, Singapore Airlines picked Boeing over Airbus for the next stage, stage of its fleet renewal. It signed a letter of intent for 2777-9s and 19787-10s, which should be converted to a firm order soon. Uh, Singapore will also have uh, options for six more of each type. Boeing's win is lost for the Airbus A350 program. Uh, Singapore Airlines is the top customer for the popular A350-900 variant with 67 wow firm orders, but it hasn't ordered the larger A350-1000. Now that the carrier has a 777X order on the books, it is likely to pursue the larger A350 model, uh, or it isn't likely to pursue the larger A350 model, let alone having any interest in a proposed stretch variant of the A350-1000. Singapore Airlines is the largest customer for the A350-900. However, at least one analyst thinks that the order of the 20 Boeing uh, 777-9s could be the death blow for Airbus A330 jumbo jet. Let's see if there's any truth to this claim. So... Uh, then they run through a few headlines and say the A380 is running out of orders. The A380 jumbo jet program certainly isn't doing well. Orders have slowed to a crawl in the past few years, forcing Airbus to reduce production by more than half. Indeed, Airbus has just 110 firm orders left for the A380. In theory, that represents nine years of production at the new planned uh, production rate of 12 per year. But in reality, the situation is much worse than that. As many of 47 of the remaining orders are likely to fall through. These include the 20 A380s ordered by the aircraft lesser Amadeo, which hasn't been able to line up a single customer despite years of trying, and 8 A380s ordered by Qantas that management has definitively said it does not want. Of the other 63 outstanding A380 orders, 50 are for a single customer, uh, Middle Eastern giant Emirates. While Emirates has been a huge fan of the A380 Airbus Jumbo, uh, the Airbus Chumbojet cannot survive without with just a single customer. Mm. Singapore Airlines is also an important A380 customer, and that's where Singapore comes in. Singapore Airlines became the first airline to fly the A380 back in 2007. Furthermore, it is the second largest customer for the A380, albeit with a distant second, uh, with 24 total orders. Singapore Airlines ordered more A380s than any other airline other than Emirates, and it still has five A380s on order with Airbus. However, the lease for its first five A380s are expiring soon. The first expiration will occur later this year, and the carrier has already announced that it will return the plane rather than renewing the lease. Most analysts expect that Singapore Airline, or ex- Singapore Airlines to return the other four as well. Uh, that would keep 
its A380 fleet steady at 19 aircraft. Singapore is one of the most highly regarded airlines in the world, so its fleet decisions can be influential among other carriers. Uh, one of the first airlines to order the A380, Singapore paved the way for others to follow. If its new 777X uh, order indicates that it might be moving away from the A380s, uh, other airlines might follow its lead once again. Uh, it goes on to say that uh, the A380 is becoming less useful as the 777-9 becomes a direct replacement for it. Uh, it's also saying about the fuel efficiency of the A380 uh, being not, not as efficient as the 777-9 and that it's struggling to find the, air, the A380 that is, uh, is struggling to find a market for the aircraft wow i mean that's so, a, that's a heck of a story there well done Owen. you've done well to uh, done well to press on through that lot of data there is that's two stories now paul nev as well yeah had a big story there to <laughs> process lots of data but yeah. uh yeah so uh i don't know do we do we genuinely think that they have killed the airbus a380 i think when the triple seven that the triple seven x um comes up online when it's eventually you know because a lot of the airlines have ordered this it is going to hurt airbus i think with a 380 because you know the, you've got an aircraft that's that's only got two engines as opposed to four that yeah. carries nearly as many people mm. um and yeah i don't think it's going to be the end no but no, okay uh, you know no i don't think it's going to be the end but i i do think it is as you say going to hurt a blow uh, yeah. airbus definitely Mm. Um, Interesting to know what the um, what the load factors are for all the A three three eighties around the world, wouldn't yeah. it? Because mm. I don't know what the minimum needs to be, but you've got to really fill it to to make all the yeah. all the numbers yeah. work, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah I've yeah, been no, on a lot of empty three eighty. Definitely with like. our <laughs> seven. Oh, sorry. I said I, I, when we flew we flew back from, with Qantas on a three eighty a few years back from Dubai, and I mean, it was barely barely half full. Mm. And yeah. that, is, that is a heck of an Yeah, no, it, it's, it's interesting. It would be interesting to see because um, I know for us, we need a, I know we're a slightly different model than most companies using an A380, but uh, um, we need somewhere in the region of 83 or 4% to just break even, wow. uh, which is quite a high low factor when you yeah, think about it. it. Um, and if they need to fill that same percentage on an a380 that will be uh, that will be a fair ask mm. um mm. considering yeah. that they they hold majority of companies fly them with what, 500 or so mm. passengers 550 or so passengers yeah. um yeah so it definitely would be interesting to see so moving on, the next story on Flight Global, this one. And uh, the headline, Iceland modifies winglets on the 757 fleet. That's quite a nice one. Mm. Iceland Air is fitting a modified blended winglet to its Boeing 757-200 fleet, the first airline in Europe to install the Scimitar design uh, winglets on the twin jet type. Uh, the Scimitar winglet, de uh, developed by Aviation Partners uh, Boeing, features a modified tip as well as a trailing 
Edge Wedge. Iceland Air intends to have 17 aircraft with the new winglets and servers before the, uh, this year's summer season. Four have already been retrofitted. Fleet manager Andre uh, Gudharsson says the improved drag performance compared with the current winglets on its 757s will cut fuel burn by another 1%. Oh, steady. The uh, kind <laughs> technology, the ki- this kind of technology helps us with our ongoing drive for carbon neutral growth by 2020, he adds. Iceland Air is operating a fleet of 25 757 200s and a single Dash 300 plus four 767 300s. It also plans to introduce 737 Max jets, which already feature the Spling. Uh, split wingtip design next year and the, these are the, my favourite uh, winglets I think and I, I'm a bit of a fan of winglets I do like yeah. the winglets you know okay. and uh, retrofitting them on the 7.5 is, uh, is quite good on mm-hmm. an old because the 7.5 is a fairly old aircraft Indeed. so uh, uh, Pip good. what's your um, what's your uh, opinion on, on winglets and that I mean 1% seems like does the uh, hawk have winglets uh, I mean it sounds like such a ridiculous number to get excited about 1% but I suppose if you're doing a lot of air miles uh, 1% does I suppose suppose eventually you know rack up but i mean what what are you what are your things or thoughts on these winglet things um I, i'm generally in favor of them matt yeah okay cool fair <laughs> enough because <laughs> yeah. they make they make his hawker look good <laughs> well there is that yes yeah <laughs> absolutely well i think that's the main thing you know one percent two percent fuel saving uh less drag and all of that yeah. no one cares <laughs> if it looks good then it's the right <laughs> thing to do yeah it's all part of the fun so moving on swiftly we've got loads to get through still yeah uh, moving on to uh, our next story uh, nev i think nev yeah i think nev can have this one yes uh this is the uh let's just have a quick look it's at, good oh, news for the... uh, airbus this one. Oh. Uh, yes, it is. And um, this is uh, Air India has taken delivery of its first Airbus A320neo, becoming the ninth mm. Asian operator of the type. The aircraft is in the uh, is the first of 14 that the carrier will be leasing from Aviation Lease and Finance Company. The CFM International Leap 1A engine-powered aircraft, registered Victor Tango Echo X-Ray Foxtrot, is also the first re-engine narrowbody for the lessor which has ordered 85 A320neo family jets. Last November, Air India also issued a tender seeking to dry dry lease up to seven new A320neo jets for up up to 12 years. It had asked that the aircraft be powered by Leap 1A engines and be delivered before the 30th of June 2018. And uh, Flight Fleets Analyzer shows that Air India has 110 uh, aircraft in service, of which 68 are A320 family jets. So that's a, a huge um, is. Uh, order uh, potentially coming up uh, was, with uh, the 85 of those uh, new jets. I was looking actually uh, at the order figures between Boeing and Airbus yesterday, and I did notice that Airbus's orders books were, were slightly. Uh, more fuller than uh, Boeing, but yeah, not but, by a lot. Yeah, but, but only we, we say this, mm. and, th- and then there'll be a couple more announcements, and then in three <laughs> yeah. or four weeks' time, it, th- it'll go the other way. Yeah. There'll be more Boeing. They have, um, they have done, and I, I am a Boeing fan, as everyone will know. But no, Air- really, Airbus have wow. done. Wow, ladies and gentlemen, this is <laughs> brand new, shocking, Fuck and terrifying. <laughs> yeah, got, wow, you're, you're a fan of Boeing. Airbus have wow. done, re- have done actually quite well with this Neo, mm. uh, Neo batch of uh, aircraft. I will say but um yeah okay yeah. go <laughs> boeing <laughs> oh, <stop it. laughs> okay um, so next story uh last who's going to take the last pip, story pip, pip, pip yeah, can yeah. have the last Yay! Story. yeah 
from flightglobal.com a330 neo maiden flight date still hazy Oh. Rolls-Royce is progressing with assembly of the initial flight test Trent 7000 engines for the Airbus A330neo after a maiden flight date has yet to become clear. The engine manufacturer, manufacturer in its full-year financial presentation, gave the entry into service date for the aircraft as the first half of 2018. TAP Portugal, the initial operator, huh, has previously indicated that it expects to receive the first A330neos in the first quarter of that year. Rolls-Royce has not clarified whether the difference in phrasing is indicative of a further slip to the schedule, but its use of first half for the entry into service time frame is similar to that voiced by Airbus Commercial Aircraft Chief Fabrice Fabrice somebody in January. Bridget. Yeah, thank you. Um, And that same guy has mentioned that TAP planned services in spring 2018 and that the A330neo development effort was compatible with this. Uh, And the story goes on, but um, there you have it. Fascinating story. (laughs) Have we just jumped from the Trent 1000 to the Trent 7000, or is that just me? Am I missing a whole heap of numbers in the middle there? <laughs> Possibly. Because we had the Trent perhaps, 1000, and then after that there was the, the Trent XWB, which went on the A350. Perhaps, perhaps, two, perhaps two through six were an absolute mitigating disaster, and they've just sort of, you know, a bit like the, <laughs> the, the Samsung Galaxy Note 7, you know, the, the, they've sort of, like, just written that off completely and pretended it never happened. Uh, perhaps, perhaps that's what they've done happened. with two through six. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, guys, we're going to take a very quick uh, break now, and to fill uh, our time there, we're going to hand it over to the legend that is Mr. Schutt Backer. We've got a wonderful little segment here. The second part second of part. three. Yeah, parts yeah of his wonderful Indeed. story absolutely so uh, uh sit back uh we've got about seven minutes to look forward to so brace yourselves here we go good morning everyone it is 6 30 a.m and a nice october morning in 1934 we're at the Mildenhall airfield north of london we're watching 20 airplanes all side by side with roaring engines and ready to start their race to melbourne in australia the sound of the engines is deafening but so beautiful This is part two of the PTUK special on the McPherson-Robertson Air Race. In part one we introduced the race, the ideas behind it and some of the competitors. In this episode we'll follow a few planes on their flights towards Melbourne. A little recap. Intercontinental commercial flight was still in its pioneering days. The three British de Havilland Comets had to win. There was a race within a race between two new generation airplanes the Douglas DC-2 flown by the KLM and the Boeing 247 Delta flown by American pilots. These planes were all metal planes where the other planes were mainly made of wood and fabric. Young Aussie Jimmy Melrose just flew in solo from Australia in a plane his mother gave to him. The race would be his return trip. Miss Jackie Cochran was well prepared and had arranged her own fuel on many places along the route. The guys representing New Zealand had organized a lottery to get the funds to compete in the race. There was a lightweight wooden plane for mail services. Because it was built by a furniture company and therefore had the best pilot seat, we'll call it the flying sofa. Okay, back to Mildenhall at the crack of dawn. The airplanes took off one after another. We watched them becoming small dots in the sky. 
they're headed for Rome. We know lots of people from all over the world will closely monitor their radios or even flock at the door of news agencies just to stay up to date on the performances of their favorite airplanes. The first to arrive at Rome was the Boeing. After a short stop it took off again and headed for Athens and then Aleppo. But the Boeing wasn't a race leader. The Comets had decided to go straight from Mildenhall to Baghdad, the first compulsory stop, skipping all possible stops in between. This is about 2200 nautical miles, that's over 2500 US miles and over 4000 kilometers. No autopilot, no radios, visuals only. It would take them many hours. Two Comets even overshot Baghdad, landed on different airfields and had to fly back. The Mollisons in their comet did not overshoot, and as we will see later, especially Jim Mollison had his own peculiar way to fight boredom on this amazingly long stint. They arrived first. The official Baghdad classification was, well, first the Mollisons in their comet, and then Scott and Camel Black in their comet, third was the KLM Douglas, fourth was the Flying Couch, and fifth was the Boeing of Pangborn and Turner. Meanwhile, tragedy had struck Gilman and Baines. They flew a Ferry Fox Mark I, even in 1934, this was an ancient airplane. They hit bad weather and crashed in the hills around Rome. Unfortunately, both pilots were killed in the crash. Miss Jackie Cochran made it to Bucharest, where she had to retire after damaging her elevators in a less than optimal landing. So all the fuel she had distributed along the route served no purpose anymore. Some other competitors had to bail out because of bad weather over Europe or navigational mistakes that got them way off track. Next stop was Karachi. The first ones to leave Karachi were Scott and Camel Black in their Comet. Second was the KLM Douglas and third, after suffering landing gear problems, were the Mollisons. First to arrive at Allahabad were again Scott and Camel Black, followed by the KLM Douglas, the Flying High Chair and the Mollisons. The Mollisons got lost over India and had to land somewhere else. There they tanked bad quality fuel, which ruined their engines. So they had to retire at Allahabad. After Jim Mollison got out of his plane, they found three bottles of whiskey. As well as a love for flying, he had developed, developed a love for booze. Even in 1934 this wasn't considered a fine combination. Amy Mollison took a flight home to Europe, without her husband but with the KLM. At Alalabad, disaster struck the flying king-size bed as well. After a misunderstanding about the runway to use, the airplane hit a vehicle at takeoff. The airplane was topped up with uh, fuel, and because it was made of wood, it was converted into a pile of ashes very quickly. Fortunately, there were no injuries, but obviously this was the end of the race for the flying armchair. It was also the end of the aeronautical division of the furniture manufacturer. I think it's ironic that the pilot Ashes watched his plane burn into ashes. Meanwhile, Jimmy Melrose from Australia and Hewitt Kay and Stewart from New Zealand were doing a very good job. They were well behind the leaders but still going strong. Scott and Campbell Black in their Comet were the first to arrive in Singapore, followed by the new generation Douglas and Boeing. At Jakarta, the KLM Douglas got a very warm welcome. This was home turf, but it meant also that from now on the Douglas would not benefit from their past experiences and their logistics. Jakarta was the endpoint of the scheduled service the KLM ran in those days. 
The planes crossed the shark-packed Timor Sea. Australia provided a vessel with two searchlights. It was positioned midway between Timor and Australia, and its job was to guide the planes to the Australian continent by pointing one searchlight to Timor and the other to Australia. The comet of Scott and Campbell Black was well in front of the Douglas, but from eyewitness reports we know that Scott and Campbell Black were already very, very fatigued. By comparison, the Douglas crew was still quite fresh. They had good meals on board and the opportunity to stretch their legs whenever they wanted. The comets did stints of up to 14 hours. The pilots had no space at all to move. This is the end of part 2. In part 3 we'll finish the race, but not before getting into detail about an almost tragedy that would strike one of the planes in front. It had a lot to do with fatigue and the will to carry on, but not in a way you might think. As always, I have complete trust in Carlos and Matt to decide when to include part 3 in their podcast. Find this and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. TheVoicesInYourHead.com The Plane Talking UK podcast is a voluntary project that aims to keep you informed with the latest aviation-related stories from news buyers across the globe. Producing our content does cost money, though. If you enjoy our show, why not help us keep on the air by making a donation towards the server and website hosting fees through PayPal. Any contributions would be greatly appreciated. Are you an Amazon user? If so, why not do your shopping through the link on our website? There's no cost to yourself, and Amazon pays us a small referral fee on qualifying purchases. To find out more about the show and to meet the team, take yourself to our website website www.plaintalkinguk.com or find us on facebook at facebook.com forward slash plain talking uk on twitter via at plain talking uk or get in touch via email on podcast at plain talking uk.com thanks for listening aviation media has long been the domain of the newspapers and magazines well not anymore i'm steve visher and I'm Grant McCarran, and we're bringing aviation right into your radio. Yes, we're making aviation cool and interesting for everyone. Hang on, aviation's always been cool. Check this out. How cool is this? Crash, crash, turn that down. Here at Plane Crazy Down Under, we've got pilots, engineers, air traffic controllers, industry leaders, even politicians dropping by to talk to us about the amazing world of aviation right here in Australia and occasionally in New Zealand as well. Wow, that's cooler than I thought, mate. Find us at planecrazydownunder.com, on iTunes, or lurking about on other people's podcasts just like this one. We've got crazy accents and lots of great aviation content. And we promise not to talk about the cricket. No, never. Not the cricket. Quack, 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 quack. <laughs> what is cricket anyhow? Something we win a lot. Oh, there oh. It is. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> hmm, Sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Carlos appears to have, um, I don't know, lost the leave of his senses. <laughs> Excellent. That, that was a technical hitch there with the, uh, <laughs> the, the oh. audio board. Uh, you can't blame <laughs> the audio board for that. You turned the fader up and then burped. <laughs> Oh, honestly. You can't anyway, start, ladies and gentlemen, you really cannot get the staff. I'm oh, so sorry. Oops. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, thank you for uh, thank you for that segment, Stuart. That yeah, was very kind of you. So yeah. we have got the third instalment yes. of that to come in next week's show. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, thank you very much. I know the chat room definitely liked that. Yeah, loads definitely. of good res- yeah. uh, response in the chat room for that. We're going to bash on. So we are. We need to get on. We've got to get through these next few. We've got six.
six stories to come up in the military segment, and we need to get through as quickly because some of the people in our Skype uh, and our, co- our host, yeah, um, and area, in the chat room, in fact, and in the chat room, have got to get away. Yeah, so they've got gonna... a big meetup to look forward to. But we'll talk about that yes, briefly at the end of the show. So right, so we're going to start the military stories. So if we're all ready, yes, let's go. Yes. So the first story, and these have all been, most of all, nearly all of them, is sent in by Jonathan Warner. So the first one is on the marketwatch.com site. Austria may seek $1 billion compensation from Airbus. So London, Austria's Defence Ministry uh, on Thursday this week said it had filed a criminal complaint against Airbus and could seek over a billion dollars in restitution over a controversial deal more than a decade ago uh, to buy Eurofighter Typhoon combat jets. uh, Austria's Minister of National Defence and Sports, Hans-Peter Doskazil, said a report commissioned by the government showed a fraudulent and deceitful actions led the country to buy the twin-engine Eurofighter combat plane in 2003. The government said the misdeeds uh, documented by a task force established in 2012 go back as far as 2002. Airbus, then still called European Aeronautic Defence and Space Company, uh, were vying to sell the military plane to Austria. Airbus won the contract the following year to supply it with 18 fighter jets. The Eurofighter combat plane was making a uh, making consortium also includes uh, BAE Systems PLC and Leonardo uh, as well, uh, SPA. Suspicions of corruption in the Austrian deal have been raised repeatedly since 2002, but it remains unsubstantiated until 2006 when a parliamentary committee in Vienna identified the chains of suspect payments apparently related to the Eurofighter sale, but little evidence of the intention behind the payments. The parliamentary probe succeeded, however, in raising a political questions that ultimately prompted the Eurofighter Consortium and the Austrian government to renegotiate the sale, including cutting the size of the purchase to 15 planes. The contract value in 2007 was reduced to about 1.6 billion euros, uh, 1.7 billion dollars, from around 2 billion pounds. The story goes on, but I think there's a bit of a mm. naught, bit naughtiness there, possibly from, uh, from Airbus uh, and mm. Austria, but I'm sure that will get sorted out. I'm sure they'll work out all the all the kinks as they say uh, yeah. on to the next, next story, story. Uh, uh, yeah this is um on the washington free beacon website and the headline is russian jets buzzed u.s destroyer which is uh, something that se- let's be honest happens quite frequently yeah. <laughs> um i suppose we should be a little bit careful because there does seem to be a little bit of tension between the americans and uh, and and russia at the moment but four russian military aircraft conducted low passes against a u.s destroyer in the black sea last week the first such military provocation since the new Trump administration took office. The incident took place uh, on the 10th of February and involved the USS Porter, a guided missile destroyer, fending off low flights by what the commander of the ship regarded as potentially dangerous flybys. There were several incidences involving multiple Russian aircraft, says Navy Captain Danny Hernandez, uh, spokesman for the European Command. Uh, They were asserted, um, sorry, they were assessed by the commanding officer as unsafe and unprofessional. 
The first buzzing involved two Russian Su-24 jet fighters, uh, followed by a single Su-24, and in a third instant, an IL-38 transport aircraft. The passes were described by Hernandez, the e uh, the EU Com spokesman, as ranging from unusually low altitude to low altitude and high speed. These in incidences are always concerning because they could result in uh, miscalculation or an accident, he said. Miscalculation is a term used by the military to describe something that could result in an unintended shootout by military forces. The Ryan, the the Ryan, the Ryanair, no, the Russian aircraft <laughs> operated without their electronic identifying transponders. Activated, uh, the transponders on the aircraft are monitored closely by air defence officers charged with protecting the ship and identifying hostile and friendly aircraft on radar. The Russian aircraft also failed to respond to several radio requests from the from the porter to halt the overflights. Uh, the latest Russian military provocation over the Black Sea comes as the Trump administration seeks to reset um, relations with Moscow. President Trump earlier this month said he respects Russian President Vladimir Putin and seemed to dismiss the former KGB officer's use of violence against political opponents. I respect a lot of people Trump... I, I won't read the rest because uh, it basically goes on, but uh, yes, so we have another... We're not going into political yeah, no, no, things, we're, we're, we're delving into the worlds of po politics here and that could end very badly for everyone. So, uh, so yes, basically the Russians are at it again, uh, this time over the Black Sea and flirting with uh, US destroyers, which is perhaps a, a brave stroke... Um, <laughs> dangerous thing to do because they are they are prone to um, uh, test uh, their military might uh, if accidentally provoked. Um, but uh, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, but how fun would that be to be uh, um, a pilot in the in the Russian air? Air Force. What's your task for today? Well, we're going to buzz some destroyers. Yes. <laughs> okay. I, I think that would be brilliant. Yeah. It I could be quite be exciting. Could, yes, absolutely. It's. Uh, I mean, it, it could certainly. He says. He says choosing his words carefully as he says this, but it's like. I mean, it, it could make negotiations between Russia and America a little tricky if if one of their planes is shot out of the sky. Unless, I mean, because they keep doing oh, it here, don't they? Uh, they keep doing it around, sort of like the coast of Scotland and things, don't they? They keep sort of flirting around our shores. Oh, they're as well. all the time. Off are the, are, the, are uh, they doing it to, in the hope that we might accidentally shoot one? down i mean i don't know you, you do wonder the motives but anyway moving on um, to the next story yes yeah, so who's who's going to take the next one carlos oh i don't know well you choose we have three wonderful hosts okay well uh, that we can choose from. Ooh, let's let's have nev with the next one we'll have nev this is from the uh, dailymail.co.uk and i i get all oh, my, my favorite newspaper uh, yeah. inf information from this website <laughs> yeah, absolutely especially um, military a, yeah. a visual uh, thing uh, mm. actually so matt you'll probably have to bring this yeah, up fine, there's, yeah. there's not much in the way of writing here but no, uh, okay. it says obliterated isis headquarters in mosul is blown away by rf typhoon strike mission mm. and uh, it says the rf typhoons dropped bombs on the isis headquarters building in mosul and combat footage shows two bombs streaking towards the target building the uh, building exploded into a huge fireball after bombs struck their target and defense secretary uh, Michael Fallon said ISIS is receiving a decisive blow. Uh, a flight of RAF typhoons uh, obliterated the uh, ISIS headquarters building in the uh, jihadist's last remaining stronghold in Iraq. Uh, the uh, attack jets dropped a pair of smart bombs on the building, which is believed to be in the northwest of Mosul. And uh, the RAF released combat footage showing the weapons strike, striking the building with P-90 
pinpoint accuracy and there's some uh, pictures there and they definitely uh, didn't sneak more, up anyway, uh, not much more in the writing uh, really no I, it's one of those where the pictures sort of tell the stories don't they? yes they but, do yeah. yeah so next story moving on for uh pip if you're ready probably not but uh, pip if you're ready no i'm totally ready i was just okay. going to say though did you see um on the bbc today another master stroke for our military the british army helicopter pilot who uh who got himself lost in Afghanistan and landed on the road in front oh, of the I did see trucks. that, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I did see oh, that. Oh, yes, no, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, he hit the news, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he, says, he came and asked for directions, didn't he? He was a bit yeah. lost, yes. I, I think, I think they polite... I think they... His tom-tom had uh, packed yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sat nav had packed up. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I, I think he was... Uh, I, I think he... Uh, it was... Uh, I, I think the statement sort of terminated on the way that the, that the pilot was going to receive uh, uh, a little advice about how to perhaps, um, you know, sort of not get lost, essentially. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, great story. Yeah. Alrighty, uh, F-35 scores impressive 15 to 1 kill ratio at red flag war games. Um, is this not where um, Marcus is at the moment? Didn't he go across to the States to cover? I think he is, yeah, yeah, from the Omega Tower podcast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, lucky boy he is. I know. Tell Why don't you guys do something like that? Yeah, all right, yeah. <laughs> mm. Yes, yes. <clears throat> so carry on. Yeah. <laughs> Exercise red flag at Nellis Air Force Base in Nevada is considered one of the most realistic and challenging aviation warfare exercises. And pilots from this year's event say that uh, say the Air Force's F-35A exceeded expectations by dominating the airspace and improving the lethality of other uh, of other legacy aircraft. Its stellar performance is a major victory for a warplane that's been criticised for its high costs and plagued with several development setbacks running from january 23rd to february 10th this year's red flag involves more threats to pilots than ever before including surface-to-air missiles radar jamming equipment and an increased number of red air or mock enemy aircraft against the ramped up threats the f-35a only lost one aircraft for every 15 aggressors killed according to the aviation week the F-35 Lightning II's advanced avionics software was the star of the show as multiple F-35s successfully compiled data into a detailed layout of the battlefield with each individual threat pinpointed. The stealthy aircraft could then slip into weak spots in the defensive layout and take out SAM targets, opening up the space for follow-on forces of legacy fighters. Even when the F-35s ran out of munitions, F-22 and fourth-generation fighter planes wanted the aircraft to remain in the combat zone, soaking up data and porting target info to the older fighters. Shall I go on? Oh, no, 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 you're fine. fine. You're no, fine. it's all good. <laughs> Actually, I was just looking into that story you were on about uh, earlier, Pip, the helicopter landing in the road mm. to ask for directions. That was actually, um, that was a uh, Soviet... Um, uh, design really? helicopter and uh, yeah that late that landed uh, in Kazakhstan on a motorway and apparently Are you sure? yeah I've got the story in front I of me it here. Was a, I thought it was a British uh, Apache helicopter no the picture it does looks a little bit like an Apache I suppose but uh, it was uh, yeah it was a Soviet design helicopter landed landed dramatically in the middle of a two-lane highway in Kazakhstan 
and apparently the helicopter landed the uh, pilot got out ran towards a truck driver uh, and asked for directions and uh, said they were lost and um, he asked the way to Actobi Actobi it uh, was um, yeah and that there that is uh, that is a, a, a well it's a Russian military helicopter that was so oh I guess I got that wrong yeah there we go Matt Matt's is showing on the uh, there we go on the yes on, on the old YouTube then YouTube just, uh, now for those of you in there it, yeah look it's a kind of an, an overweight Apache if you look at the, yeah. <laughs> the width of it yeah absolutely so moving on to the next he story is, he's, li he's literally asking the lorry driver for directions that that's that's crazy and Owen Owen yeah, we'll, uh, this one is uh, for you yeah, no problem. So this is from military.com, um, and it says, Beale Air Force Base takes in California flood threat evacuees. Beale Air Force Base in Northern California was sheltering several hundred evacuees from the Lake Oroville flood threat Monday, and the entire California National Guard has been put on alert as the military gears up for an emergency response. The base opened its gates to evacuees from the local communities Sunday night, and by Monday was carried for more than 400 people. This was an immediate and emergency action to support a portion of the 180,000 evacuees of the Oroville Dam emergency situation, the base said in a release. Team Beale uh, understands the hardships many are enduring during the crisis and we want to offer all we all the of the aid we can, it said in a Facebook post. The base is working with the Californian Office of Emergency Services to help residents who need long-term and specialised care. Shelter, food and water are being provided to those affected by this crisis, Beale said in the release. At the current time, and per the direction of the Yuba County Office of Emergency Services, personnel in need of shelter should proceed to the Wheatland High School or the Placer County Fairgrounds. Uh, Colonel Christopher Strickland of the 9th Reconnaissance Wing Vice Commander said in an update Monday afternoon. The members of the Beale Air Force Base are a vital part of the local community and understand the struggle uh, the current situation is placing on the area. While we are proud to assist and open our gates in response to an immediate crisis, we have limited resources. We stand ready to assist in the future as needs uh, exceeds the local community capacity, he said. The base, about 14 miles north of Sacramento, has also authorised transit across the installation for residents seeking higher ground. Beale is home to the 9th Reconnaissance Wing of the Air Combat Command and is its inventory of U-2 Dragon Lady spy planes and RQ-4 uh, Global Hawk unmanned aerial vehicles. Um, at the Pentagon on Monday, officials said that the 23,000 members of the California National Guard have been put on alert for possible response to the flood threat from overflowing Lake Oroville in Northern California. We are watching the situation very cap uh, carefully, said Navy Captain Jeff Davis, a Pentagon spokesman. He said the entire Californian National Guard is on sta alert status and we are leaning forward and ready to assist with this if needed. Thousands of Californian residents have already been evacuated from the area in Butte County, about 75 miles north of San Sacramento in the upper Central Valley. The fear is the emergency spillway from the uh, or the emergency spillway from the lake could fail and send a 30-foot wall of water down the Feather River Basin. And yeah, so it just goes on to say mm, that they're, they're the Air nice Force people. stand ready to. Uh, to help out the the local community, mm. so it's a, a lovely um, feel good story mm. from the the U.S. Air Force. 
Indeed. So we have got a really nice feel-good story to finish off mm. uh, the kind of military side of things this week, and it's uh, it's on the y- sun. Yes, definitely. It's on the Sun um, uh, news site on the Sun.co.uk, and it's a lovely story really to end this week with. Uh, the headline chocks away: a uh, hundred-year-old former Royal Air Force pilot gets behind the controls of a Spitfire to mark centenary uh, celebrations of Biggin Hill Airport that played a key role in the Battle of Britain. So Ray Roberts was joined in the skies by fellow Centurions who flew in a Learjet 75. A former uh, RAF or or a hero former RAF pilot has taken to the skies behind the controls of a Spitfire at the age of 100. Ray Roberts uh, had used a walking aid on the runway to take his place in the twin seat aircraft to make a centenary celebrations of a Kent airport that played a pivotal role in the Battle of Britain. And uh, the 100-year-old was joined in the skies by fellow Centurions Lily Osborne and Trudy Baxter, who flew in a Learjet 75. The trio were VIPs at Biggin Hill Airport in Kent, which arranged the flights to be uh, to herald a year of celebrations marking the 100th anniversary of the ex-Royal Air Force base. Hero Ray joined the RAF in 1940 and trained as a fighter pilot. Uh, but he was injured later that year when his parachute failed to open after he bailed out of his Spitfire. The horror landed him in a place in the Caterpillar Club, a group of people who had bailed out of stricken aircraft and survived to tell the tale, but forced him to quit as a Royal Air Force pilot. A year later, he joined the Air Transport Auxiliary, or ATA, and spent the rest of the Second World War delivering aircraft to service the units direct from the factory. Ray's daughter, Lindy Roberts, said he's just amazed to be given the opportunity he has been going through his all his old logbooks. Uh, since he found out he was going to be flown in a Spitfire, he kept saying that he cannot wait to get up and see the Earth looking down. He says it takes him back. Best known for its role in the Battle of Britain, Biggin Hill served as one of the vital command bases for the Hurricanes and Spitfires of the Royal Air Force Fighter Command, protecting the south-east of the UK. It later accepted civil flights alongside its role as a rapid reaction station. Uh, when the Royal Air Force operations ended there, Biggin Hill gradually grew as an international gateway airport for business, corporate and general aviation. Biggin Hill Managing Director Will Curtis told guests that the Second World War was won in part at the airport. He said, we are aware that Biggin Hill sat at the very tipping point of the Second World War and I'm naturally proud of that legacy and we will do our very best to ensure that it is properly preserved for future generations. And I'm also acutely aware that today Biggin Hill plays an important part in London's future. So a lovely story there, mm. especially for this uh, this veteran, 100-year-old uh, yeah. veteran, uh, an ex-pilot, obviously, as well, of the yeah, Spitfire. Yeah, that's just incredible, isn't it? Mm. Um, to be able to go back into an aircraft, you know, that he once flew, you know, uh, was a pilot in uh, during the war, to have that experience, uh, good on him, I yeah, say. absolutely. Yeah, it's all good. Definitely, definitely, yeah. So yeah, great. we'll bring that uh, part of the show to a close, and uh, yeah, we will start to uh, well start to 
Indeed. Wind the I, show I, up, think I think what we'll do then, because obviously we, now we have got a, a, a meet-up that's taking place. We have, I'm yeah. going to hand the floor over to Nev now just to sort of talk us through, basically, because one of the reasons why we're bringing the show to a close is because uh, somebody's got to get up really early. <laughs> yes, just a bit. <laughs> well, a few of us have um, uh, managed to do a bit of a meet-up tomorrow over in Amsterdam, uh, well, near to Amsterdam. I was there for the whole week yeah. last week on the next mission. And you enjoyed it so much. I could have just yeah. stayed for an extra day, <laughs> yeah, but there you go. Uh, so we are meeting up at the... Uh, Aviodrome, which is uh, about uh, 45 minutes from uh, Amsterdam Schiphol Airport at uh, Lelystad, and uh, it's got some really interesting things. There. I don't know if Matt's got a, a link to it, which you can uh, bring up at all. But um, uh, so I think we've got uh, our Dutch friends going to be there: uh, Stuart, um, Myla, Masha, Fabian, Tillman from Germany as well, and uh, I think Andy is going to be flying in from uh, just south of Cambridge as well in the UK. So we've probably got uh, between six and eight people showing up tomorrow which is great uh, going to do some recordings and do some uh, feedback and that sort of stuff so we'll send that into the show uh, but yes I'm on a 6.45 flight out of Heathrow tomorrow morning which Oof. means Oof. I should probably be in bed by now yes it depends. but uh, we're very grateful you're not nevertheless but that's uh, right yeah, yeah we, look, we look forward to it we'll, uh, forward we'll come to back it. with some uh, some video and some audio yeah. feedback for you cool yeah I can't Ooh. wait so, yeah, so yes so uh, so it's uh, your meeting at the, the give us the name of the uh, the uh, the meetup place again then Lady Stadt. it's uh, it's the a- a- aviodrome a v i o drome uh, and uh, it's at Lelystad, which I think is about um, 45 minutes outside of Amsterdam, if I remember correctly. I've okay. certainly seen the, the train signs for it. Yep. And uh, we'll be there. I mean, I'm landing at about half past nine tomorrow, so we'll be there from 10.30 onwards, and we'll be there for, for most of the day, I would imagine. Fantastic. So, uh, weather looks reasonable as well, so it uh, should be a nice day. Oh, Great. Take plenty of pictures. Yeah, yeah, pictures. yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to uh, to uh, seeing all that. That's going to be great. Um so, so um, that is where we're going to wrap yeah. up episode 152 of this show. We're going to say a special thanks to our uh, three Skype guests yeah. who have joined us this evening. Uh, Owen, any uh, last uh, words before we wrap up the show tonight? No, not really. Um, just <laughs> thank you very much for having me. It's uh, <laughs> always a pleasure to be uh, with you here on uh, the PT UK, and always a pleasure to be in the chat room. Uh, so yeah, thank you for having me on board today. Good. When you, when's your next flight, uh, Owen? When are you next up in the uh, skies? Um, so I've got a sort of a holiday to the UK. I'm going to be going around uh, London and Brighton, that sort of area, for That's a few the, days. And the UK is not a holiday. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm headed up to uh, Manchester to see a friend. Um, and uh, very possibly Captain L2. And oh. then flying home, I don't uh, or don't flying back to Malaga, rather, uh, on Sunday or Monday next. Um, cool. So I go back on the very, very end of February, on the 28th of February, and I think I do... Uh, I think I do from Chino Santiago that day, so... Now, Rome and Santiago. Now, now I heard nice. a little bit of a rumour that, sadly, your time in the wonderful Malaga might be coming to an end. Yes, uh, <laughs> the the time in Malaga was a, a temporary contract that I kind of got by uh, by luck. Um, yeah, okay, fair enough. By being so wonderful, I managed to. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I managed to extend it from being one month in October to being six months. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not bad going. Yeah, on the twenty third <laughs> of March. 
yeah. uh, and very possibly they'll be said to be back to standard. Cool. But nothing has been uh, set yet, and yep. to be honest with you, I very highly doubt that I'll have a, a word either way. Um, no, no, you just do as you're told. Before sort of the twentieth of March. <laughs> so, yeah, so, 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 as told, and uh, when you're told. Yeah, no. Fair uh, Owen, could you be based at um, uh, Dublin if you wanted, or is that uh, you know a kind of a senior uh, basis or a competition for that? No, it, it would be. It would definitely be uh, uh, easy enough to get to. Uh, the hardest bases um, are actually fairly ironically uh, Malaga uh, and wow. the Canaries. So the Lanzarote, um, Gran Canaria, uh, which is Las Palmas, I think. So um, basically, basically a lot of competition. There's another base out there as well. So there's a lot yeah. of competition for, for wanting yeah, yeah, to go yeah. to those particular co- locations. So from you, yeah, well, I mean, those, oh, those places, very few people leave. Yeah, um, no, no, fair point. And I understand that in Dublin, uh, yeah. people leave all the time. Yeah, <laughs> I can't imagine why. Yeah. We'll let you, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll let you figure out why yeah, yeah. that is on your own. <laughs> right, so, so I was going to say, so when when's the next uh, plane safety coming out, Pip? Because we are um, we need another yeah, episode. Yeah, we do, didn't we? Um, at about uh, 10 p.m. tonight. Oh, yay, okay, awesome. well done, <laughs> excellent, awesome. oh, very good, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Absolutely, everybody download. Got one, uh, just a short one earlier today, this afternoon. Fantastic, okay. good. It will be with you soon. Good news. Yeah. Uh, and you're, are you? Uh, when are you flying back home again, uh, Pip? This weekend. So my last day's tomorrow. I've got a couple of flights late in the afternoon. If the plan stays the same, because the aircraft's uh, having a bit of maintenance at the moment. Oh. Uh, but if it comes out on schedule, then I'll be. Um, uh, somewhere in Germany, I can't remember where. Then back to Luton, arriving around uh, quarter to seven, I think it was. Wow. But we'll see. As ever, things can change. Well, safe flying, Pip. Yep. yep. Absolutely. Clear skies. Thanks for inviting me on. It's always good fun to see you all. Good. Good. Pleasure. Well, so that is where we bring episode number one hundred and fifty-two to a close. Thank you so very much to our wonderful Skype guests, and uh, yeah, that is uh, and all the chat room people. and all the chat room. Yeah, oh, it's been such a it's busy, been a busy chat, room chat room today. It's been incredible. Yeah, massive, absolutely. massive. Thanks to everyone in the chat room, and hope you all have a fantastic weekend, all you guys. Indeed. Yes. So from all of us here in the studio, everyone on Skype, and everyone, everyone in the chat room. Everybody's waving as we say goodbye! Goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.